Hey guys, it's Blush Cameron with a new episode of my new podcast. What you just heard was a clip from a new song of mine called The Cave. And I released it as part of my friend's Halloween compilation. Um, kind of like an unofficial release for me. Uh, it'll probably be on the album, my new album, but um, I'm not going to put it on Spotify or anything. If you want to listen to it, I'll put the link in the description, uh, or you go to Harriet Brown, uh, just go to my Instagram and, uh, click, go to my Instagram or my Twitter at blush Cameron and click the, uh, link tree link in my bio. And it should be at the top there. Um, today I'm talking to my friend, Sam Boitari from the band Greet Death. And if I mispronounce that Last name, Sam, uh, I'm sorry, I forgot to ask how to pronounce that. Anyways, Greet Death is kind of a dark, heavy shoegaze band from Flint, Michigan, who recently signed and released an album with Death Wish. Death Wish, if you don't know, is a heavy, hardcore, classic hardcore, very famous in the hardcore scene uh, record label. Uh, it was founded by the singer from Converge. Is that right? Something like that. Uh, so it was a big deal for Greet Death to sign with them, and everybody was really excited. I know Greet Death from the Michigan scene, playing shows out there and being involved. Um, and most recently, I've kept in touch with Sam through fighting games, which we talk quite a bit in this episode about fighting games and... Uh, the relationship and similarities between getting good at fighting games and getting good at music and the philosophy of getting good. And uh, it was a really fun conversation. One of my favorite talks of the podcast so far. Um, beyond that, of course, we talk about Great Death's history as a band and how they ended up on Death Wish and what's next for the band. Uh, it was great. Um, we, the, the fighting game talk gets kind of, uh, I don't know, maybe if you're not familiar with fighting games or competitive video games, it might be a little confusing. Some of the lingo, just one thing, I mean, this is fairly inconsequential to the larger conversation, but, uh, he mentions frames, quote frames and uh, frames of animation he's talking about in like a shooting game, throwing a grenade takes a certain amount of frames. And what that means is video games run, for example, at 60 frames per second. So everything you do in a video game takes a certain amount of frames of animation to complete until you're able to control your character again. So throwing a grenade, for example, say it takes, I don't know, I don't know, 70 frames or something like that. Uh, so that's a little over a second in which your character is, you know, pulling their hand back, throwing it forward, releasing the grenade, pulling the hand back to where you can control and aim again. Um, so that's what he means when he says frames. And you, uh, I don't know, I thought, <laughs> I don't know why, I thought somebody might need to know or might ask what that is. Um, but yeah, I think that's about it for the disclaimers. Uh, 
thank you so much for listening and enjoy the episode essential worker these days no i'm just i'm working from home doing my uh i work for like a um called zounds.com it's like a musician's friend guitar center type deal we sell music stuff um so i just like do accounts work from home oh i see so yeah uh, that makes sense um because one of the questions i was going to get to is you know the fact that you guys are such you and your band are such like um gear heads <laughs> or at least known for being that that's funny i think we are we are we wait is this are we live are we it doesn't really matter either yeah, way well, I'll, edit, I'll edit it you know but yeah you know, there's no intro yeah cool that's that's baller um yeah that's funny because i feel like like maybe at one time well, I get whatever. I mean, there there was a time when we really wanted to get like a bunch of awesome shit, and we're probably way more into gear. Um, but I get, I guess, um, it's not. I don't know. I like we like to have stuff that like sounds good, but it's not necessarily as important to like us. I think what we're like playing through the cabs are the most important. Like as long as it pushes a lot of air, you know. So yeah, for sure. Um, like, but. I think we definitely care a lot less about that these days but um yeah i i mean funnily enough i don't really i mean i i just i've ordered a couple things through my company because we get like whatever discounts and stuff but i we really haven't even like taken advantage of it really <laughs> that that much i think jim got like a symbol case i don't know so word um at one point i had a a guy in my band uh, named Jake, and he worked at Guitar Center, which was uh, really cool for me because I'm not a gearhead at all, and I don't know, I can't remember the names of anything. Sure. And uh, uh, so he just like had a basement full of gear and knew exactly what I needed and would always be buying me stuff when I needed it. Uh, so that was great. <laughs> we took full advantage of, of that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know, the, the gear, it's, it's good to have stuff that, I mean, obviously we've got the Janus cabs, which is something we wanted to set up for a while. So like once we, once I got those, I don't really care like what, um, uh, the, the cab is pretty important. And we, we've been, we used to play a lot of two pads. We play, we've been playing solid state lately. And now we're, we, Logan's trying to get more, he's talking about getting another tube head i don't know that that kind of stuff i we we really don't care about that like there's so you can go so far down the gear rabbit hole and i really don't think it's very like that that has nothing to do with like the songs you're writing you know and i think you can you can play through whatever you want but if you if your songs suck then like it doesn't matter what you play through you know absolutely i feel that everything in moderation yeah Uh, so what what's uh how's chicago at the moment I mean, it's, you know, it's, I live in a place that's a little sleepier, but like, it's pretty brutal with all the police violence and just like, you know, protesting and it's a lot of unrest and, uh, you know, 
it's kind of crazy, I guess, but I, I don't really feel like I, I have a lot of authority on it. Cause I don't, I don't see a lot of it. Um, my partner was going to some protests and I would have been, but I, I've kind of been locked down because my roommate has asthma. So, mm. you know, we're trying to, we're trying to keep it very, um, close knit, I guess, as far as that goes. But yeah, I mean, it's been kind of wild. Um, that's good though. A lot of, yeah you know it's just one crazy thing on top of another so yeah for real it's like it's truly like one crazy thing happens and the next happens and i feel like it's been like that for a couple years now just you know yeah progressing and progressing to where we are now yeah i mean who on top of all the you know the political issues we're having then you throw like a, a a fucking virus on top of it so you can't even like because normally you know you just be like fuck yeah i'm gonna go out there and like you know shit on these cops or whatever i'm gonna i'm gonna stand up to these cops that are just doing insane shit but now you have there's this other layer which is like you know am i gonna (laughs) get sick and then um put the people i live with at risk or whatever so it's like it's so it already wasn't simple but it's just like insane how how complex it is you know yeah we had a scare in my house a few weeks ago um my roommate fred has been working like at a kind of small scale construction job like maybe there are 12 people in the company but the boss caught it and um luckily you know my roommate ended up not having it nobody else in the company had it but the boss had it and his wife had it and their child had it and um so Fred had worked with them, you know, one day or something like that since, you know, he might have caught it. And uh, so that was very nerve-wracking. But Fred was really diligent about staying in his room and wearing a mask when he left his room and sanitizing anything that he touched. Yeah, that's good. That's uh, that's scary. I mean, I keep I keep wipes on me, like, at all times. So when I have to ride CTA, you know. For sure. Wipe your phone down. You wipe your hands down, and then I'll see people like putting their fingers in their mouth on the street. And I'm like, Jesus, man. So you know, it you you gotta watch out for yourself, and also like wear the mask so you make sure you're protecting people, and you know, whatever. I gotta give credit to Philly people, in at least in my part of Philly, are really good about wearing masks. That's awesome, and I mean, a lot of people here are too. I was talking to my mom because uh, back in Michigan, um, and she's like, "Yeah, you know, I mean, the stores are telling you to wear a mask, but they're not like a lot of people aren't." I'm like, "I don't know. They're they're, they're enforcing it here. Like, if you don't have a mask on, they're going to kick you out." For so sure. uh, that's good, you know. I mean, you know, there's shitheads everywhere, but um, it seems I don't know. It's hard to say. There's people here. A lot of people here do seem to be being good about it so i don't know everybody on the buses and the trains i did i was on the train the other day with my partner and some dude got on and just started like smoking a cigarette and like blowing it everywhere and i was like this is and that's the only time i've rode the red line in like the past six months so i was like all right this is why i haven't been riding the red line but (laughs) you know (laughs) uh is your mom back in michigan yeah i mean everybody yeah everybody else is in michigan except for me and uh yeah, so did my parents you, live in Michigan. Did you grow up there? Yeah. Um, Clarkston, Dave. Well, I'm not from Clarkston, but I'm from Davisburg, which nobody knows where the fuck that is. Uh, Holly, you know. Mm-hmm. I kind of um, know Holly. 
sense, but that's yeah, just I mean, because that's... I'm from Michigan, you know? Right, right. Yeah. Yep. I'm, I mean, I've only lived in Chicago for like three years or less than three years. So all the like, um, like original Great Death crew, like Logan and I grew up like a couple miles from each other. You know, we went to the same school. Like we met when we were in like first grade. So what brought you out to Chicago? Uh, I don't know. I guess work because like at the time, um, I was done with college and I was like, okay, like I'm just doing a pizza job, which is like fine. But like, it's, there's even that wasn't very like tour friendly, you know? Yeah. So I was trying to find something that's like, okay, I can work when I am working. And then like, um, you know, that would give me time off to tour. And it's really hard to find stuff like that in, in Michigan, but in there's, there were already like multiple jobs that I had friends working here that were like more suited for that. And like one day, uh, I don't know, I was just fucking sick of my job back in Michigan. And then my, a friend out here was like, yeah, I mean, I could hook you up with this job like right now. Like it's just like a delivery job. And then I was trying to get the job at, uh, at the music place too, which didn't end up happening. Uh, it couldn't hire me till like six months after I moved. So that did end up happening. But anyway, mm-hmm. I, so I was like, whatever, I'll drive out for an interview. So I drove to Chicago, did an interview with this courier service where I was going to be just driving and delivering which is like honestly crazy because that's just like a crazy thing to do here but yeah, uh I can't that's what i did yeah i drove out for like a 20 minute interview it was like a four and a half hour drive drove out did the interview they were like yeah we'll hire you so then i drove back home and wow. uh it's fine you know whatever i i drove to chicago a couple times before but sure. uh it's yeah kind of funny uh well but, glad it worked uh, out yeah i mean then i've been here so it was kind of just like a, I also wanted to move out of my folks place and, uh, yeah. So I just found a place to sublet for a while. Here. Word. Um, so did, uh, you and Logan went to the same school. What age were you guys when you met? Were you oh, friends man. right away or did you know each other for a while before you started hanging out or? Well, the, the like, um, me and Logan and then Anthony, who we used to drum with or he used to drum with us, uh, we all like we met the first day of first grade. We were just seated at the same table out of happenstance or whatever and just became friends because of that. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, pretty funny. And then whatever, just stayed friends. And then eventually in middle school, started playing music um, because Logan started playing guitar when he was like 11 or 10. I think he was like 10. Parents got him a guitar. So it was like three years after we met, um, and I didn't play anything at the time. But my dad played bass. My dad's always played bass. He has like a band with his his friends. They've always you know, got together, play music. So like throughout my uh, being a kid, I'd go over to their practices and you know bang on some drums or whatever. Sure. Um, so you know, music was like in my life, I guess. So when Logan started playing guitar, I was like, all right, I guess I'm gonna play bass. I didn't even really listen to music. That's uh, you know when I was like that young. Uh-huh. So like, it was just like whatever I would hear with my parents playing. And then like Logan would be like, Oh, check this band out. I'm uh, called Metallica or whatever, you know? Uh-huh. And like Metallica, uh, Blink-182 shit like that, you know? So we would learn those songs and, and then, you know, meet other people that were in middle school that are like, Hey, you guys want to like jam? Uh, we're going over to so-and-so's garage. Uh, you want to come jam? We were like, sure. So, yeah, I mean that's, that's great. That's like a great happenstance there. 
Yeah, it's very much just like being in a band seemed like a cool thing. So there were like people that we knew that like played music that we would kind of kind of and they all lived funnily enough, they all lived like very close to us. So we would just go over to their house after school and you know just be like, all right, let's let's try to write a song, you know, or whatever. Like let's learn this uh Dead Kennedys song, you know, or or this uh Metallica song or whatever, playing in someone's bedroom. And uh yeah, just doing that over and over again for whatever some years. Man, I don't want to think about the reality of you being seated at a different table way back then. What do you mean? Like you, oh, you know, the butterfly like effect or something? Them. Like you yeah. you, got, you know, that one decision that the teacher made, like what if that changed everything? It's so funny. I've never never even thought about that because like I don't know. That kind of stuff doesn't matter. You could play the what if game all day, but that's funny. Uh, I mean, you're right. Like that could have very well, even a simple seat change could have changed everything, you know, but, but I don't know. Here we are, you know, (laughs) what, um, you guys were pines before greet death. Was that the first incarnation of your guys band or was there something before that? Um, pretty much. Uh, we, we started, playing under that name uh in high school i think uh, we were playing like more like when bands like um like best coast and waves were in their like peak so like we were like let's play some indie surf or whatever so uh-huh. um and i think we were like oh all these bands have like you know region specific names but we don't fucking live near the fucking ocean so we're like what should we do and you know you pick some uh some shit like that where it's like, eh, there's a lot of fucking trees here. That sounds mm-hmm. good. But um yeah, because that we we started out playing a lot of like, you know, classic metal and like pop punk and then had a band like that for a while and then we stopped doing that and there was a little bit of time in between and then we got into these bands that were like, you know, indie bands like 2010, like whatever, Best Coast Surfer Blood, Waves, uh Band called Turbo Fruits. So it was kind of like a slacker band, like Jeff the Brotherhood, shit like that, you know. Um, so yeah, and then we saw this band at the talent show in high school called <laughs> called Merlin's Yawn Party. Uh, cool. It was just a bunch of like dudes who went to sc- yeah, it was just a bunch of older dudes we went to school with, and all they did was get on stage and play this insane sounding song uh, that I think had kind of like a man man vibe. Um, I don't know. Uh, hope i'm saying that right but they just played this insane sounding song and the singer screamed about like different um foods i think the song was called dinner table um and we thought it was really stupid but also really cool because they just got up and did it but then we were like oh like we could do this you know (laughs) and that band like never even did much they played some shows locally but they were so cool to us because it was so like unlike anything that we that anybody was doing and they just did what they wanted so we were like okay this is like inspiring because they're just like being themselves and and playing fucking insane music um yeah so i think we started getting together then at that point and picked the name uh i think there was one show uh where we like didn't have a name that we played but uh or we might have went by i think we went by uh the glass cokes pretty pretty bad Um, (laughs) that's like such a high school name or middle school name i know 
insane um but it was like a talent show uh an open mic not talent show just an open mic at a local music store so mm. and then after that we were like all right we should pick a better name but <laughs> you know yeah um yeah i i kind of what do you think attracted you to that like kind of different type of music were they playing was it like heavy what they were playing I mean, what they were playing was nothing like what we were trying to do, but it was very much like, um, I, I don't even know. It was like, they really didn't know how to play their instruments that well. Um, the person playing bass would kind of just do like a Primus type deal, like kind of just soloing the whole time. Drummer would just do, you know, just some kind of like caveman beat. Um, Guitar player was just doing stuff that I don't. It was just like wah 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 wah. You know, I I don't know. Sure. Uh, it was just like not anything you would ever like hear. But I think that's what was like cool about it. And then the the dude, um, the dude that sang would just sing and like scream things into a microphone. Um, really not co- not not something that like we were even like into. But I think it was just there were only a couple other people like doing bands at our school Mm. and uh you know it wasn't any it it was just kind of interesting to see people just being themselves and like that was that was more inspiring than like a christian metal band you know what i'm saying for sure yeah um so there was a few years i guess you're developing yourselves before you released um heavy right is that that the first one that i went back and listened to some of the old yeah. stuff to brush up. Yeah, yeah. That's that that might have been like one of the first um that was one of the first things we wrote actually, which is funny because it didn't end up getting recorded until like 2014. And actually that's not really true because we had like through like pretty much what we would do for like years is we would like settle on a sound for a while, write like 10 songs and then scrap them because we were, we changed our sound. Um, that one kind of persisted, but we had, we had some songs and then that one came about cause I, you know, it's a long song and it's actually like three songs put together. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I wrote the last part as a song and was like, okay, this is pretty cool. And then Logan had, those first two song ideas and we were like, okay, this is all pretty cool. Um, and I, I don't really know why, but somebody had the idea to put them all together and try to make this. So we just had like for a lot of our, the first shows we were playing, we had this like 20 minute song and we would just play that and like a couple other short songs, which is pretty silly. Um, but I guess it kind of like was a statement i don't fucking know (laughs) it was just like what we thought was cool i guess i mean it's Um, interesting i feel like that's the type of thing you do as like a young band and you know trying to prove yourself um something you know i it's you know hard it's it's easy to notice with your band that you have like an emphasis on melody and um like pop songwriting you know on occasion and um i think when you're young as in a young band, you're trying to not do that or look for ways to like, you know, um, express, like identify yourself outside of the normal, the Mm -hmm. the normal being like pop songwriting. So I think, um, that makes sense. (laughs) You know, I think that's like probably a lot of bands do that type of thing or try to. And if they don't, then, you know, I think maybe 
it's not, you know, I, I think doing that is like a sign of ambition in a way that you yeah, do, that know. you grow out of, you know? Yeah. I don't, it was inspiring to us. It was definitely like showboaty. Um, but I, I don't really know why it, it happened. I think we were, I mean, I was always into shit like Pink Floyd and like, uh, all of us were kind of into stuff like that. And these bands that had these weird, like 20 minute songs, it's like, why the fuck are these like a thing? But, <laughs> but that was something that was like, yeah, I think it was probably this like thing where we were like, all right, we want to like, um, I don't know, do something that's like at least ambitious. Um, yeah. I loved that kind of stuff when I was younger. Yeah. I mean, and that's a thing, that's the thing about when you, growing up and like playing with people and like you first start a band i think there's a lot there can be a lot more tendency to like everybody's just trying to showboat you know and then eventually you you hopefully but you know you settle into figuring out when like okay we don't need to fucking write the craziest shit all the time we need to like let's you know you you figure out what your rhythm is and you try to actually you know improve your songwriting or whatever um what time what point do you feel like that started happening for you um well i mean for like the the band i know that like we were like logan and i always say that like even pre before that like heavy um stuff we we were writing like these pretty simple like indie uh songs that were a lot better than the things we started writing in college before we kind of took a break or like uh, at the end of high school, not college, excuse me. Um, because we started, I don't really know why we got really into that band Grizzly Bear. That, that's not what I'm saying. I, I enjoy that band, but sure. we got into that band and I don't know why, but after, you know, that kind of made its way into being, we were making more jazz, jazzy music, um, very harmony centric. I still think that, th- that, influenced a lot of how we operate now too um on top of a bunch of like country music or whatever but we started making this awful like jam music mm. um terrible like just just indulgent jam music i don't know why um and yeah it was pretty bad so we and i think we were just burned out on it so we stopped for a while and then uh you know, came back to it, I think like a year later. Um, but even then at that point we were, Logan and I were really into bands like, um, like swans or something, or like very like dissonant, just, um, long form noise mm-hmm. type stuff. So at that point, then we had like three songs, um, we had like a, a 15 minute song, um, which kind of actually went on to form some of the stuff that is on the first record. And then we had like another, uh, like two other, like five minute songs. And that, so it's still this very indulgent form of making music. It was just like the opposite of, of the, the heavy stuff where it's like very noisy and dissonant and, uh, you know, pretty pretty uh just uh you know full of discord or whatever i don't don't know how you'd say that but you know kind of rough (laughs) um so and then somewhere out of that we started 
writing the songs that would be on the first record. Um, where, where does In Heaven, Your Lull fit into this? Hmm. Um, in between, after, definitely after, because we had these like noise songs um, that, you know, were kind of melodic, but very, you know, very Swansea, very repetitive and long and noisy. Um, and then I think Logan wrote the In Heaven song. And he's like, check out this song, whatever. I think that must have been like 20. I don't really know. It might have been 2014, 2015. I don't, I don't know. Um, we were like, yes, it's a good song. You know? <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. uh, so we started working on that. And then Your Low was kind of same time. Uh, and th- those to me, so we were listening to bands like whatever, um, you know, like Nothing or something. or in the the in in heaven has definitely a very like i think classic like quote-unquote shoegaze vibe you Mm -hmm. know that definitely directly came from a band like nothing or cloakroom or whatever um your lull thing was definitely i think that was actually a remnant from the the noisy swans era of like punishing you know it's a pretty heavy it's a pretty like hard-hitting uh song and then it has the pretty elements so it's like this like grotesque harshness mixed with these pretty chords you know that's always something that's kind of been there since like we got going after the break yeah that to me that it seems like the release that really kind of is the start of your current sound in a way absolutely you know as a listener yeah, because it's like before that, there we didn't really. We literally would play shows for like a year, and we had three songs, and they were just so like, you know, just like no. And people, people fucked with it, you know, and we thought it was cool, but like it was, it's just a product of like growing and changing, and your taste change, and you're trying to figure out like what you actually want to fucking play, you know, right. and like what you're gonna vibe with. And I think in the end, we returned to like what we used to do like in in early high like the middle high school era of um writing pop songs honestly (laughs) like writing weird weird pop songs um with heavy vocal emphasis and melody but um we had to we went through this like weird noisy period to get there um yeah and then and then that we went went and recorded that with um a friend um our friends Nate and Nick out in Port Huron, they don't live there anymore, but they had like this studio they were trying to start up and they were like, yo, you should come. Like we're doing like really cheap recording. And they just had like this, they had like this big house and this like glass room in the middle of the woods. And we just, so we went and, and tracked it there and we were like, yeah, this would be a cool. Like, you know, um, just two songs, seven inch, whatever. That is cool. At some point you start collecting material for a full length, um, yeah, probably somewhere in there. Um, I think we probably started that process like before the seven inch was even out. Um, a lot of the stuff on that first record, like, is an amalgamation of like songs written between like probably twenty fourteen and twenty sixteen. Talking about uh, Dixieland. Yeah, yeah. Um, or you know something like that. We we had other songs that didn't make it on the record, and then we took one of those noisy songs, which was called "Black Hole Jesus Christ," 
and we were like, okay, this doesn't make any sense. Let's just there's elements that we like from it. Let's repurpose it. So the first like little intro track on the record is it was what the first like four minutes of Black Hole Jesus Whoa. Christ sounded like. It That's was like this this repetitive. It wasn't a drum machine. It was a drum, you know, just a drum beat, and just Logan singing that those words over and over again and i'm playing like a just a bass line um and we alternated between that verse and just like a instrumental thing so you know and then there was this whole middle section that isn't anywhere anymore but uh i think the whole song's on youtube you can just we performed it in a record store like the old old version but yeah and then the end of it is that song again um just that repeated line for like three minutes <laughs> for sure <laughs> and that end cool. of the song yeah weird. i don't know it's kind of weird because that's not something that like anybody would it's not even like it's a reference you know that anybody would care about it's just like there were things within the song that we thought were cool and we kind of needed something to gel the record together so we were like why don't we and then we and then we rewrote the song that is now black hole um was completely rewritten by logan very much just like i don't even know if there's any traces of the original song in there but yeah i don't know turned out great it helped us write the record i don't think it really matters to anybody else but like that was that was enough what is your guys songwriting process like or at least yours do you guys you guys don't write together you bring songs in that you wrote individually or how's it go yeah we i mean historically we don't write together. Um, we did recently write a song together. That's, that's pretty decent. Uh, but I don't know if anything is going to happen with that. Typically the best songs, like Logan will write a song, do a demo, show us or these days, email it to us mm-hmm. and vice versa, or we'll be on tour. And when that used to happen and I'll be like, yo, I got some phone demos on my phone. Let me hook them up to the aux cord and let's listen to them. I think I, you know, and then we'll be like, Oh yeah, that is cool. I mean, typically like, especially like by now, um, if like a song gets to the point where like I'm showing it to Logan and Jim or like Logan is showing it to us, we are at least confident that it has the potential to be like a good song. Um, there's not, we we went through so many years of like bringing songs to practice awkwardly trying to show them to each other you try to play them for a bit someone doesn't like it but they don't say anything so they're kind of grumpy for like a week you know oh man i i have those memories of playing in bands yeah dude it's brutal but that's how you, you have to learn how to navigate that and like the that's the test of your band you know can you can you evolve and grow to a point where you can actually just constructively say, yeah, I don't know. That idea is not very good. Yeah. And that's okay. You know, yeah. you shouldn't, you shouldn't take that personally or, or even to be like, okay, I really like this aspect of the idea, but that aspect I think is cheesy, you know? And and then, and if you are good in return, you will be able to recognize, you know, as, as a friend that I value their opinion. Okay, cool let's let's where do we go from there you know anyway but yeah so i think for that reason and especially the way that i write i like to have like a pretty fully formed like idea um to bring and then like just have them fill in the blanks or like logan Mm -hmm. will be 
Logan works a very similar way now. He used to just have like more riffs and like bass melodic ideas, but now we're pretty similar to where it's like, okay, here's a song. This is kind of like the structure we have in mind. And then like, it'll probably change, you know, but like, this is where we're going to start. Yeah. I think I read that you showed them a song off of new hell. That was just like you and guitar or something. Was that, do you feel nothing or I read in some like vegan Brooklyn, Brooklyn vegan thing or something. Yeah, I mean, it might have been the actual. I, that I, honestly, that's like the way that all those songs went. Um, for like all those songs, uh, definitely like knew how the title track. I wrote that on acoustic, but I knew how I wanted that to sound. So like, you know, I just played it for them on an acoustic guitar, and then explained like what I was hearing for every part. And honestly, like that song came out very similar to like how. The only deviation was in like Logan adding all the harmonies, which are awesome. And then like his guitar parts, his like lead lines, his, um, you know, like the solo, um, that was something I, I knew I wanted him to do anyway, but he obviously was just going to take that and run. Mm. Um, the end I think was like, we figured that out later, but yeah, I mean, that was very much one where it's like, I knew I wanted it to have this like layered orchestral ending that would, end of the record uh yeah and but but most of the time like a song's got to start there anyway like if i can't like i'm not gonna i'm gonna write it on like guitar alone and then for sure you know, think about it that's pretty much how it is for me too i mean i write a song on guitar first of all and then i slowly demo it out and um a lot of times i'll have in mind kind of like what i want it to be and it either works out perfectly or it doesn't work out at all and i have to yep. keep hammering it until it turns into something else yeah that's one of the worst sure. feelings though is when it's not working <laughs> the way that you thought it was supposed to it's really tough to figure out when you should just abandon an idea in that kind of scenario or when you should keep persisting mm-hmm. i mean that's 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 one of the toughest things because like dude yeah it's it's extremely you know tough and discouraging until you break through that wall and then it's like god this is the best song i've ever made (laughs) you know yeah i don't know even if like you work on a song like that and it never sees the light of day that's still like work that you put in on trying to figure out like that that's that's in my head there's there's like a there's always like a progress bar over your head you know and even if you're working on a song that like maybe doesn't end up working one, you might be able to use something from it way down the line. I've had that happen, and you just repurp, you recycle it. But you're also, um, you're. It's almost like problem solving in a way. You know, you're just like thinking about how can I make this work? What else can I do? What are some other ways I could approach this? So I think it's still valuable because, like any kind of writing, not just songwriting, it's not it's not like this easy thing. It's like a labor, you know, mm-hmm. and. Sometimes you can just like, you know, have a song come from nowhere. And like, that's awesome when that happens, but that shouldn't be like the only time you're writing songs. And that is how I, that was like kind of the only way I wrote songs for a while. And only recently have I started to like work a lot harder. And like when I'm stuck on something or frustrated, spend some time with it or like let it sit or actually, you know, sit down to work on it. And Mm -hmm. 
that can be rewarding too. But yeah, for sure. I know what you're saying. That can be, uh, yeah, it's frustrating when you have something and even you bring it to the whole group and then it doesn't, that happens so often, you know, you're like, oh, I think it will sound like this. And then you bring it to the band and it's like, eh, you know, it's not really working. And yeah. Yeah. Um, what was I just about to say? Fuck. Uh, <laughs> oh, sometimes there are like, um, songs that I hear from other people that are like, oh, this is a great song. I really like this. But if I were to write it, I would not like it. <laughs> Does that ever, do you ever feel that way? Is it like a voice thing? Like if you were the one singing it or like, no, I don't, I don't know what it is, but like, uh, it's pretty much exactly. It is like, I, this song is cool that this other person wrote. Um, but when I try to do something like that, it doesn't hit. And what hits for me is maybe this one particular sound um, even though I'm interested in writing a different sound. Does that make oh, sense? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, I think I definitely have more of the, like, I have a lot more of the classic, like, damn, I wish I wrote that song. But when I sit, like, I can't just sit down. I don't want to sit down and just like do that exact thing i guess mm-hmm. and I, i've done that a lot not to say i haven't but yeah you you um you definitely always end up creating something that is not exactly like what you might go and listen to you know mm-hmm. i feel like um that's why it's hard to view it objectively too i think but i, I might have that might be tangential from what you were saying but i i understand what you're saying no i think it's related because I think it's hard for me to view, like the songs that I, um, especially the, like all the new house songs, like I'm immensely proud of those. And I know that they're like, I believe they're good songs, but I can't hear them as like, I would hear a song that I am envious of because it's, it's something that I, and those songs have like so much of what I value in a, in a, in a good song that I actually like, but you can't view it objectively. You can't listen to it as something that you like would listen to like one of your favorite bands, you know, and that's probably a good thing. Cause you shouldn't like worship yourself, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you know, but yeah, I, it's hope maybe other people see it like that, you know, or maybe, um, maybe other people are inspired by it, you know? And I think that's the biggest hope is that something you make will inspire someone else to make something even better. Do you listen to your own music? um i used to like not really the greet death stuff but i used to make like a lot of like music in high school um i made a couple records that like were purely like okay i'm gonna go and make this music that i want to hear like i'm literally just gonna make something that i would want to hear and generally that's how i work anyway but um i wouldn't like listen to it like just for the purposes of putting it on, but I would be like, okay, let's see how it sounds. Mm -hmm. Damn. Like this melody I wrote is really fucking sick. And that was in the early like days of me actually being able to play guitar, learning how to record on fucking a demo of pro tools. So I would just go home from school, get in my basement. I had these ideas for like records and I would just record them and then like add to them over time. So I would kind of listen to them a lot and be like, okay, how does this actually sound? Should I add more? okay, let me make a CD and show, like, one of my friends. You know, shit like that. Um, yeah. I, I, sorry, go ahead. No, you go. I don't, I don't, I don't, like, especially with, like, Greet Death stuff, it's such, like, a, 
such a mechanized process, not in a bad way, but like we already spend so much time writing and then recording, demoing, re-recording songs. Like by the time we put some shit out, I'm good on it. Like I don't, I'll listen to it a couple times, but I already have heard it so much that I, I don't, I don't really need that anymore. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get tired of my songs fairly quickly after I put them out, but, or even before I put them out, but I do listen to my songs almost every day, or at least the ones that I'm currently working on for, you know, the reasons you've already mentioned, which is like, you know, tweaking and studying and making sure it sounds good, but also the fact that you can't hear it objectively. I'm constantly chasing that and trying to hear it objectively. Like, what are other people going to hear when they hear this? Yeah. Try to like disassociate as much as possible and never really get there. But um, I do listen to my stuff for that reason. Yeah, I find that the more I listen to my stuff, and this is something I found out more recently within the past like three years, because I would like listen to them over and over. Um, I think the reason I did that though is because I could always go back and change something. But now that you know, you record something with an engineer that you can't do that with, it's not always helpful for me to just continue to listen to something because I'm just going to hear things that I don't like about it. Right. Um, for the most part, that doesn't happen anymore, um, especially with with like the new Hell record. There's really not much I would change on that record. Um, or the Dixieland stuff, you know, that is what it is. There's a lot of stuff that's definitely a product of its time on that, but like... Um, Production-wise, you mean... Yeah, they exist. There's, they don't belong to me anymore. You know, they they belong to people who listen to it. And like, I could, I don't know. It's like you said. I we we you listen to it so much, you're kind of good on it by the time it's out. You know, and then then it's on the new stuff. Um, it is fun to reinterpret old songs. We're definitely these days that we're starting to do that a lot more. So oh, cool. you can listen to something older and then or like, hey, I have this idea. If we do it like stripped down or like something like that. And then maybe you have like a session of it and it's like, you can check that out. Um, You know, that's what Alex from Dogleg was telling me is that they like play their songs different every time. So he never gets tired of them. I'm like, what? I can't. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah, that's cool for them. I I just can't imagine. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I don't know. I mean, there's probably a balance. Everybody's different too, but. Um, How did you end up meeting jake jake morrison flesh and bone who put out your they put out dixieland did they put out the stuff before that yeah so um flesh and bone did the seven inch that's the first thing we did and jake was working with the label at the time he wasn't the like one of the main owners yet um it was this guy dylan from a band called loom that um we had played with a decent amount like around Michigan and Chicago. Well, mainly Michigan because we hadn't really gone out to Chicago that much at the time, but we looked up to them and uh, Dylan ran this label. So when we were like looking to, we were like, oh, Loom, like Loom put out a record in like 20, I don't know, like 2016 or something, 20, 2015. I, I don't know. Um, And it was sick. Uh, it was called Perennial Phase. And we were like, oh, this is like, our friends put out this like awesome record. Like we haven't put out a record that's like big time, you know, but they put it out via that label. And so we were like, okay, we'll do the seven inch and see if like Dylan wants to do it. And so he did because we were, you know, we were uh, pretty like close knit within the scene and we're trying to help each other grow, you know? Mm-hmm. So 
Um, I remember there were a bunch of phone calls while I was in college, working my college like writing center job, uh, just trying to figure out the logistics of that. Um, so we did the seven inch with them. Um, I mean, that was cool because it's, it's pretty validating to have like, you know, a release in your hands. And we did that for like, we played that blood fest festival and that was like the release, which was cool. Um, so it was kind of just like a no brainer to, I mean, when we did the Dixieland stuff, we were definitely like, you know, shopping it air quotes, but that we didn't really even know like how, how the fuck you're that even like works. Um, it's really like, that's such a crap shoot, you know, trying mm-hmm. to, but, but we were like, okay, we did this release. Like we know this record's good. Like let's, you know, you have those like stars in your eyes, which like you should hopefully maintain. No, I'm not saying you need to be jaded about it, but you just jet, you really don't know like what you're doing. Yeah. I still don't really, but like, you know, you're like, hopefully somebody will hear this and they're going to be like, this is fucking best record ever. And cause like, yeah. that's what you think. That's what you think, you know? And, uh, you know, we sent it around, but like also like, um, I think Jake at that time, Dylan had sold the label to Jake who Jake, um, lived in West Virginia at the time, but he moved to Chicago um, just for change of scenery and for work, um, with his partner, Casey, who I live with both of them now. They're my roommates. Oh, really? Um, yeah, yeah. I can go into that, but yeah, they, they actually lived with Dylan and the loom crew when they moved here. Um, and like Dylan sold Jake the stock. Um, there's also a guy, Mac, who is the other half of the label owner who still lives in, he lives in Maryland. Um, but anyway, like Dylan was like, yeah, I don't own the label anymore, but let me show this to Jake, you know, cause I think like Jake will probably fuck with it. And like he did. So we were like, you know, we, we, we were like, all right, let's not like sit on this and fucking, you know, let's not worry about like whatever run, run for cover, picking it up. Cause that's not going to happen, you know, but that's, you know, that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. something you're like, could that happen? Yeah, maybe. And like, no, that was never going to happen. But like, because there's so many things that have to line up for like a label like that to like, you know, they're going to reach out to you. Like you're not going to submit to them. And like, they're going to be like, yeah, we'll put it out. You know, that's probably not going to happen. It right. might, but, but we, we realized that. So we were like, um, yeah, you know, it's also like, more, is, more important to work with the label that, likes or cares about what you're doing absolutely which is something that you have to figure out because you think that at first you're like oh we just need to like show people the record and then have somebody back it but really what you should always be trying to do is just working with people that are stoked on what you're doing period mm-hmm. um and that could branch out to like something else eventually but like so that's what was cool about the jake thing is he's like yeah this is sick and we had some phone calls and um we started, you know, planning how we would do a release. And I mean, that was pretty much it. I mean, it was a pretty small, like we just did tapes and CDs and then we planned a release show and yeah. Um, man, Jake is the best. Yeah. He's, he's awesome. And you know, um, if anyone listening isn't aware, I put out my last two albums as well with flesh and bone and yeah, man, they've been so nice and just like, I don't know putting up with all the extra shit that I want to do. Um, because, you know, that is my worst fear is like cutting off from, you know, a smaller label that is willing to just help you just because they, you know, fuck with what you do and going to some mid label that 
you know, just puts you on the back of the shelf and forgets about you. Yeah. I mean, I know people that that's happened to for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, J- Jake and Casey, like they, they just do a lot of this like workhorse design work and just planning and like all the flesh and bone stuff. Cause like that is run out of our apartment. Um, I'm like, actually, as we're speaking, looking at a shit ton of boxes that contain the, the dead son LPs. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> they all are the record that just came out from dead son, but all like, like your tapes and our tapes and, um, like the close kept release there's, we have like this big pantry in our kitchen and, uh, it's it, when we moved in before we even picked the house, we were like, Oh, this would be perfect for the label inventory. And so it has all the label inventory in it. There's a little desk in there with a, with a shipping scale and a, a label maker and, you know, Oh man, I love that. Yeah. It's so awesome. And it's all run out of where we live. And I, you know, I don't do a ton with it. It's mostly Jake and Casey, but I, every now and then I'll, I'll help with like shipping and stuff. And like, we have like a group chat, you know, but yeah, everybody go support flesh and bone. Would you? Yeah, you gotta fuck with it. What? How, so, how did the Death Wish thing happen? So, you guys signed to Death Wish at some point to release uh, New Hell, second LP. Yeah, that. I mean, that was so. That was very much another instance of like, I think like at at some point after the Dixieland came out, they had like put one of the songs on a on a playlist, um, which I didn't even like know that they even did that or i i honestly didn't even like i wasn't even that familiar with like death wish as a label but uh like dylan uh, was like yo you guys got on death wish playlist that's fucking insane like whatever you know and we're like damn that's fucking awesome like somebody fucks with the song and it's getting plays um and then like a few months later somebody from that label hit us up I think it was in, I don't know, it might have been like the beginning of 2018. It was, it was a while, you know, it was very shortly after that record came out. It might have even been fall 2017, I don't know. And they were like, hey, um, you know, we like the record. Um, we've been jamming it. Um, we'd love to know what your plans are for, you know, the next record. Um, and that was Mark, who eventually ended up signing us, but he, he did distro um for death wish so he was selling records to like record stores and shit like that and he had just heard us and fucked with us and i think he was the reason that we got on the playlist you know Mm. and whatever and we were like yeah that's awesome like we're gonna demo stuff i think that was like uh early 2018 he hit us up and we were about to go um in like may we were gonna go demo new hell Mm. um less than a year or whatever after the Dixieland stuff came out. Cause we already had a lot of those songs on deck and then we went on tour with the uh, mover shaker and we finished writing a lot of the new hell songs early 2018. So we already had the next like record kind of like planned out. So we were like, wow. yeah, we're going to go demo it, whatever. Um, so we demoed it with Jake and Casey 2018 well, in May and then we sent them over to them and they were like cool we'll check them out and there was a lot of back and forth very like occasionally where they were like this is cool um we can't you know they were like we're pretty full for 2018 because at this point it was somebody at Death Wish like championing and champion championing championing us Tough you know word to um, say. championing uh advocating for us being like mm-hmm. hey this band is sick you know, you guys should check them out. And I think everybody else was like, yeah, this is sick, but like, we can't, we don't have any, we don't like, we can't release it this year, 
which they had told us and we were like, I mean, you know, whatever, we don't have any time when we're like trying to release it right now. Um, cause we were still touring on the first record anyway. So, um, it was just, you know, some casual back and forth with them for a while. Uh, later that year, they came out to a show in like Massachusetts or something. Um, Mark came out and like met us and, you know, just saw us play and, you know, it was still like up in the air, what was going to happen. But, the like following spring um after we had actually recorded it because they were like you know demos are cool send us the full recordings when you have them so we were we all of that was done you know on our own time so it wasn't even done for the intention of like the death wish thing being a surefire thing we were like well all right we're just going to record it you know and if they want to work with us cool and if not then we have you know, we have, we'll do whatever we want, you know, we'll do it with flesh and bone. We'll do, put it out in another way. Um, but during that tour in the spring, which was just another, I think it was a full U S that we did alone, uh, because the previous year we did it with mover shaker. Um, it was, that was when it kind of got locked down and a bunch more of them came to see us in Boston and then they hit us up like a week after that when we were in like Texas and they were like, or or something. And they were like, all right, like if you guys are down, like, or I think in, in Boston, we got like the, uh, we got like the, like Mark came out and was like, all right, let's go eat dinner. And like, let me pitch this to you. So that's when we, whatever he was like, yeah, like if you guys are down, like everybody's stoked on it. Um, I think he brought, somebody a couple other people from the label that do like pr and and stuff like that and uh wow yeah that's such an interesting story yeah it was very much like not something we ever like were sure of until it happened and if it wouldn't have happened then we just would have put the record out a different way you know like it wasn't um it was pretty organic you know yeah and that's the thing with any sort of biz at you know biz side of the music game is it's a lot of times just organic relationships that aren't necessarily anything specific but get developed over time and um like you said it's not you don't just most of the time you don't just email your demos to a label and they say yep it's like um you meet this one person who knows this other person and this other person likes your guys' music, so they're telling you to these fifteen right. other people who wouldn't care otherwise unless it was you know, if not for this one guy telling them that it's good and perhaps telling them over like the course of six months <laughs> that it's good. You know what I'm yeah. saying? For sure. I think the only reason the Death Wish people found out about it is because um I don't, like Henderson from the alternative wrote about it or something like that. Or mm-hmm. like, I don't know, you know, it's, it's shit like that. Where like, um, it's just through the grapevine. And like, if that wouldn't have happened, we still, you still would have heard this, the same record, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. I mean, there were a couple songs that were like acoustic tracks that we took off of it to make it fit on a, uh, on a, on a 33 on a 12 inch or whatever but mm. that ended up i think that just ended up making the record better honestly it was a little bit more elongated before that um but yeah i mean and and i mean the, the thing about the death wish thing is it was very much like not 
um, it wasn't this thing where it's like they were like anything was promised to us that was like crazy. It wasn't like it, it was very like blue collar, like working class, like okay, like you guys tour a lot, like we're gonna keep touring, like we know that. Um, you know, we'll do you know three records with you guys or whatever, and do the production just basically do I, I don't know whatever press and stuff like that it's not like there's big dollar signs being presented you know it's right. not that kind of label you know it's not that kind of, and that's th- so and it was very much that way the whole time like talking about the, the contract and like whether or not we were actually going to do it and if it would have been in something where it's like more was promised i think that would have been a red flag you know what i'm saying and that's right. that's not even to say that like like everything has been great like we've gained so much but i think that's why we did it is because it was just people talking to us being like we fuck with you guys like we we think like y'all's message or what you guys are doing is worthwhile and and cool hell yeah i and agree, that's it, I agree you know? with them cool <laughs> but <laughs> and the interesting thing now is that is that mark who signed us um is now working pretty close with us like he's he's actually doing some like management stuff because he's doing less with death wish now just because um of like the the pandemic and death wish has actually had to scale back a little bit and they're Mm. they're running more like skeleton crew so but like he i mean he has like advocated for us from the beginning of that of our relationship with death wish and now it's to the point where he is doing some management stuff for us that's kind of how how close we've become to him and he's not a, he's not a band manager you know quote unquote he's just now a friend who believes in what we do and it's wow. you know those are the kind of people that you want to keep uh you, you want to have doing work with you know yeah totally that's awesome um so, so are you guys working on the next record now yes um we i mean it's tough because i actually had to get rid of my car and you know just with the pandemic stuff it's harder to travel but we got together a couple times earlier this year we were working on stuff very late last year like uh, there's been demos circulating for like probably the past like nine or ten months Mm -hmm. um like before new hell came out we had a couple that's kind of how we are like because you sit on stuff for a while so you start working on new stuff we we don't spend too long like reveling in like the current um, which may be a bad thing, but whatever. Um, yeah, but I mean, we have like probably a full record worth of songs. We just have to like work through them. Um, there's a couple that are completely, that are pretty close to being done. And then there's like 10 other ideas that like need work. Um, but like the concept is fleshed out. Weird. So yeah, I mean, we 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 would like to demo it soon um by the end of the year like spring or something and there's there's no rush especially because of how things are but i think we're i mean if everything um you know if if the people at like if the death wish people are on our level we're probably gonna end up putting something out before we would have if Mm. this all had not happened because we really haven't been able to do any touring right that makes sense so I'm not saying that's going to happen soon at all, but like definitely within the next whatever couple of years, there's going to be another, like we'll have put that next record out. I'm sure. Um, 
have you guys done any, are you, are you, or are you thinking of doing any sort of like live stream performances or anything like that? Yes, I don't we're I it's I don't think it's officially announced yet, so I don't like I don't know what the date is, but we're going to do one of those um those audio tree staged performances that Ooh. like Rap Boys did, Dogleg, um I think Short Fictions just got announced that they're going to do it. Um there's just some venue specific details that have to be worked out, but that's going to happen in November, I believe. And it's probably going to be like a year anniversary for, for new hell type vibe. Cool. Um, because hilariously enough, we did like one seven day tour on that. And that's pretty much it. You know, I mean, Logan and I went out and did a tour without Jim when the record came out because Jim had some circumstances see that, that came up and he couldn't go. So the, the cycle of this record has mostly been like, we, we, we have a couple more sessions we're putting out that we did with uh, Tyler Floyd. I don't know if you, there's the one that's out now and there's two other videos. Um, yeah, I, it's been a lot of online promotion. I mean, it's, it's that way for everybody. Yeah. You know? I mean, it came out in November. That's like what, five yeah. months before everything went yeah. away. Yeah. How about your solo stuff? War, war, war. What's up with that? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's definitely back burner right now. I have a lot of songs over the years that like I I that are not like shelved, but they're always in the back of my head. Um uh, I I wanna eventually do another record and I have like there was like at one time an entire like skeleton for another record that I scrapped because I don't like it anymore and mm-hmm. I didn't really it just doesn't fit together that well, but a lot of the some of the songs will probably still get used eventually. It's very much a thing that like will probably happen, but like I don't, I don't, I don't know when. Um, I are those songs that like don't? Do you see them as not fitting with Greet Death? That's why you play them solo, or um, is it just that you have like a surplus of songs? Or no, definitely, I need another outlet, um, and. The thing about that is that my the voice for that outlet kind of keeps changing. Um, at the time, those were like songs I had written between like 2014 and like 20 whatever 17 when it was released 2016. So like that was like a record idea that I was like sitting on for a long time, and like it took a long time to make it happen to like get the musicians together to play it. Um, so like now, once it was out, my like intentions for that project are different like the the voice that i want that project to have is like very much probably not what that first record sounds like um Mm. that i mean that record is something that i'll probably be proud of forever like holistically i think it's like very pure to like what i at the same time like all the musicians brought their own like life into that and that was a very like collaborative thing um, so I don't really know what it, what the what what another record looks like. Um, I think it's going to happen, um, but like a lot of the songs I even had written for a second record, I'm not really like interested in anymore. Um, so I think until I have like a solidified like voice, um, it's possible it's going to end up being something kind of minimalistic, very like piano centric. Uh, I've been writing a lot uh, on piano and I, I like the idea of doing a very like stripped down, just a lot of vocals only um, piano and then minimalistic stuff beyond that. It's possible it might sound like that, but at this point 
I'm not sure. But yeah, I mean that it's not like a I think there's one song that was a Greek Death song or a Pine song at the time and then it didn't it wasn't gonna work, so I made it a World War War song, but it's only happened one time. Mm, so interesting. But on top of that I have Brady with with Jake and Casey and oh, yeah. Clara here. We're trying to work on a record. I actually just joined a band called Bristle Tongue that is working on a record. Um so like there's a lot of things like I have a lot of like writing endeavors and so much to the, do. Yeah, the the war 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 is probably like the last of my priorities at this point. Um For sure. I think eventually it's definitely going to happen, but um there's like three other and then I might be about to join a death metal band which I'm pretty excited about, Whoa. but that's that's something that's very much like for fun. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've been playing a lot of a lot of metal guitar recently trying to um both become better as a guitar player and it's something that i didn't like i've never really been into until like a year ago so it's this whole new avenue that's interesting i would have thought that you were all like metal guys at some point i mean you know logan and i started out as metallica fans which is very much like almost not even metal it's like classic rock almost but it's metal you know and um like swans but that's not metal that's like dissonant no way you know it's like noise it's like orchestral yeah. noise yeah. um only recently i mean and logan's been into like napalm death and like uh shit like that mm. um but like really none of us have ever been into like actually heavy you know music which is something that is very much recent for me and i think it's because it's so different and there's so much of it and so many nuances within the genre and it's just so fun to like you know, I, I just have a playlist I've been curating just for myself to keep track of like my favorites and like, oh, these are albums I like, and I'll add new albums and be like, okay, I got to check this one out. Okay, I don't like that. I'll take that one away. This is tangential, but you know, there's there's like you can see how like I don't know. That's where my head's at. So mm-hmm. like something like the World War War record, like I want to do it eventually, and I know like when I like writing solo solo music right now is not something that is a priority like right now. Uh, but I think it will be again, uh, you know, just something I have to cycle back to. I go through periods of interest and then also I'm in like three or different bands or whatever (laughs) that I'm writing for, which is new, which is new. So, well, I'm excited for all of your stuff that you're working on. Yeah, it's a bit much, but I don't know. It's, I, I'm happiest when I'm busy and especially because like, the way the world is now it's like immersing myself in these things is is helping me uh find fulfillment and also like become stronger as like a guitar player and a songwriter that's especially the thing with uh um like brady and, and bristletongue is i'm playing guitar in those bands i'm not playing bass so mm. like I, it's forcing me to be better you know because guitar is something i've always felt not confident about so it's for and then like the metal stuff i got a fucking shitty little rolling cube and I got this Jackson Dinky guitar and I'm, I'm just drilling like scales and like learning metal songs. So like, I just want to be better, you know, because guitar has always been a barrier of entry for me. Um, so, you know, I got to get better. That's and cool. These are all, all reasons to do it. My guitar chops have gone completely down the drain. Oh, over yeah. the past, <laughs> yeah. Over the past <laughs> few years, I, I only pick up a guitar to write, a song and the songs I write these days are not riff based, you know, it's just right. 
practically, you know, just power chords when I'm writing them, and then maybe I'll change up the chord later when I'm demoing it. But yeah, I don't play guitar for the sake of playing guitar anymore, which I kind of miss. Because it is like a, I was going to talk about you. I was going to talk about fighting games with you, because we're both you know uh, enthusiasts to some degree with fighting games, and there are similarities between playing an instrument and learning a complex fighting game with a bunch of different motor yeah. skills involved. Yeah. Um, how did you get into fighting games, and do you feel like that kind of correlation helped your interest in them? Before I answer this, about it? Is, can I take a quick, like, 60-second break? Yes. Is that okay? I Definitely. don't know if you want to edit around that. Or, yeah, but, um, you're good. One moment. Okay. You got me? Yeah. I have returned. Um, okay, so fighting games and... Uh, and guitar playing um not even just guitar playing but like anything i mean songwriting as well you mentioned earlier like the progress bar when you're right. writing a song that's totally relevant with any type of like a competitive game yeah yeah absolutely um and i i mean as far as like i'll skip backwards a minute but as far as like the correlation between like, or the, the similarity of like learning fighting games and playing fighting games to like learning an instrument. Um, I mean, you'll hear like professional FGCers talk about this, but it's so similar. I, I mean, uh, I listen to like, uh, I listen to a lot of, um, uh, I, I like to look for podcasts, but I watch a lot of like YouTubers who are in the FGC, uh, like say jam or something like that. Talk mm -hmm. about, fighting game methodology and just like learn different fighting games and they'll even tell you it's like learning piano or something and they they might not even play piano but it is a process that is so similar to learning an instrument because you it's all about muscle memory developing those skills repetition and just continuing to do it and not give up and mm -hmm. that's something that with guitar i haven't really know i'm only starting to take a lot more seriously because i've been able to get by with like minimal guitar skills and just songwriting skills for a long time which i could continue to do but it's going to fulfill me more to to advance mm -hmm. um but anyway um so i think there's a lot of it's very similar but getting into fighting games i mean like mortal Kombat. like me and logan used to play that shit a lot as a kid we didn't. We never did it competitively. I still don't play fighting games competitively, um, really, at yeah, all. But same here. Um, but I. I mean, mainly just played MK like throughout my being a kid, and like you know, we would play like Armageddon and Deception on PS2. Um, those are, of course, like kind of like the dark years of of Mortal Kombat that people don't really like look back on competitively that fondly i mean a lot of people love those games but they're 3d fighters you know that aren't technically fleshed out to the level that tekken is right right like T tekken is like completely so complex um and just like vibrant as a tournament style fighting game i don't like mk the 3d mk games did not achieve that level of you know that's not what they were about um but then you have MK9, and then it's back on the tournament circuit and, like, being taken incredibly seriously, and that's, like, a new whatever. I don't, I don't feel that I have the authority to speak on this, but, like, you know, MK9 came out, and that was a big deal, right? It's back to 2D. 
It's like whole new engine. It looks sleek. You know, Logan and I were very excited about that. I think, um, and it's not like we even played it that seriously with each other, but we did, you know, and we would hang out and like go through the campaign together and shit like that. And, um, but I would play that with my friend Russell, who was very much a fighting game head. Uh, he's pretty good at it. And at the time, I just didn't understand anything about fighting games. So I would like try to play, and he would just body me every time. And I got frustrated, so I didn't play anymore. Then MKX comes out, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to take this one a little more seriously. Whatever, just play with my friends, my buddies like Russell and Neil. Um, and again, you know, they're they're pretty good. They're pretty good at understanding fighting game, you know, methodology. And I just wasn't at the point where I was going to take it that seriously at the time. But, you know, I got into it a little deeper. And same thing when MK11 came out. I was like, cool, I'm going to try to take this one even more serious, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, I started, you know, watching a lot more videos and just learning a lot more about that. I think at some point I realized, though, and I, I even went to Combo Breaker just to hang out and, like, play some casuals. And, Combo like, Breaker is a tournament. It's like it a is. Yes, I'm regional sorry. Tournament. Yeah, um, it, it, my buddy Neil and his cousin came out from Michigan because it's in Chicago uh, land area. It's in, it's in Illinois. It's not in Chicago. It's about an hour drive, but it's at this big hotel. Um, and like all the fucking pros go, it's a big tournament. It's, it's, uh, what's their, what's their logo or their, their motto is, uh, I think it's no coast, no Kings or something. Cause it's not an East coast or West coast tournament. Uh, it's, it's very rooted in like the, the Midwest. Um, anyway, it was awesome though. And I didn't even, I, I only played a couple games, but you know, you see these pros playing that you watch on Twitch or YouTube and it's like, this is fucking cool. Like Sonic Fox is here fucking, I don't know, you know, um, shit like that. So I've been getting more into it recently. I, I, I think you have a lot more of a classic tie to like street fighter and stuff like that. Um, cause you were telling me you've played a lot of like third, were, were you just getting into third strike or yeah, what's your I was, like history? I, I've, um, basically my thing is i as a child was like a weeaboo basically from this okay, from cool. the jump so any type of like anime related anything i gravitated towards you know it's fighting yeah. games street fighter the you know street fighter alpha games have very like an anime style and like shooting fireballs like dragon ball z and stuff like yeah. that so i would play that and like marvel vs capcom not knowing what i'm doing obviously but so it was always you know something i was familiar with i knew how to do a fireball and so right. Street Fighter 4 comes out, and me and my friends start playing that. And uh, that was, you know, around the time that the fighting game community was building itself back up and becoming, you know, lot, uh, tournaments were starting to be streamed and commentated. And um, so that's basically, I mean, that's basically it. I got into it more on like a enthusiast level around then and since yeah. then i've tried you know i tried third strike for a long time and it, w it never really clicked for me until recently um uh so that i mean that's why do fine. you think that is what like what what do you think that barrier of like entry was for you um i think i just was trying to play it um how it's supposed to be played rather than play it on a fundamental fighting game level okay so i whenever i tried it before i'd play i'd pick like makoto or somebody because makoto is who i played street fighter 4 and so i play makoto in third strike and that's like a 
dumb thing to do as your first character. I mean, it, not always, but in my case, it was. Because um, she's got very slow movement, and um, it, I would always try to, like, parry stuff. And um, Right. So okay. recently I picked... Uh, I would also play Ken back then because he was so much simpler. But even Ken, you're not playing exactly as like extreme fundamental based. Like you're still trying to play third strike with Ken. You have to parry with him and um, you know do all this other third strike oriented gameplay. Sure. And so most recently, um, I decided to try it again, and I picked Ryu this time, and said I'm not going to worry about parrying. I'm not going to worry about picking quote-unquote Denjin Ryu, which is the like competitive way to play Ryu. Um, sure. I, I said, I'm just going to play very standard, low-forward fireball, uppercut when they jump type gameplay. And I had a great time playing that way, and I performed way better than I ever did in the past. Man, that's and so, sick. yeah, I kind of just slowly um, kept trying with Ryu until I felt comfortable and felt comfortable with the game feel because it's got a very kind of different game feel than Street Fighter Four does. Um, once I got acclimated, acclimated, I switched over to characters I was more interested in. Which is a you know that's the thing with fighting games is they're not. It takes a long time to get good at like playing music yeah. or writing a song. Like but you do have that invisible progress bar, and it's for the right type of person, extremely rewarding. Yes, and I think as someone that didn't really play fighting games as a kid, like I didn't come up doing that, you know, I feel so, in, um, it's intimidating, you know, and I, I, I think just like playing an instrument is very easy to get into the mentality of I will never be good. I will never be as good as somebody who started when they were eight years old, you know? Right. Um, and I think that's a bad way of thinking for multiple reasons. One, um, is because, I mean, what, what, what are your goals is the answer. I, 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 first one, because like, I mean, even an instrument, like so much of it is just dedication and like repetition. You could still probably do like for instance, like Logan is very he has a lot of dexterity, a lot of muscle memory. He's very good at he's he at, at getting around the guitar. You know, he just understands guitar fundamentally. And that's something that I've never had, but mainly because I've never tried. Um Yeah. And recently even just playing, like learning these like I, I, I learned about pentatonic scales again. And I remember my teacher, my guitar teacher when I was young as as fuck taught me about pentatonic scales and I didn't get it. I was like, why the fuck? Who cares? Like, you know, and now I learned about them again the other day. And now knowing also about the, the circle of fifths, because I was in band as a high school student and college student, um, how like main major and minor scales work. You don't have to understand this, but I, I was looking, I was, I was learning about pentatonic scales and how, if you play it here, it's a, it's a major pentatonic. If you go three steps down, it's the same key, but now it's the minor, or it's it's whatever. It's the minor pentatonic to this key, which is exactly how the circle of fifths works. Doesn't matter if you don't understand that. It took me twenty seven years or whatever to figure that out. So, even then, ten minutes, I know more about guitar than I did a month ago. You know, yeah. And now, and now, I'm, and now I'm just, yeah. And and the more you just play scales, I'm also adjusting like how I pick because if you want to play faster and whatever. 
you have to change how you pick. You can't play as loose as when you're playing whatever country songs. Anyway, um, so that just goes back to, I, I think that's a, that's a bad way to, it's not a good way to think um, that if I start playing fighting games or guitar when I'm 25 as opposed to eight, I'm just not going to be as good. I just, it, it also, the second part of this is that I'm trying to change my mentality from a fixed um, mindset to, to a growth mindset, mm. which is, uh, you know, anything you do, that's, that's a healthy thing to do because if, if people with a fixed mindset and I, I have been this way for a while, I won't do something because, or I'm bad at it. So I quit or like I'm bad at it. And I'm like, damn, I just don't have the skills to ever be good at this. I just don't have that kind of brain. That is a fixed mindset. If you have a growth mindset, you will approach something and you have to see it as you have to take your losses, right? That's one of the hardest things about fighting games um, is that you have to lose a fucking lot, you know, mm-hmm. and that sucks. Um, and I've heard people try to, it's interesting to think about fighting games in relationship to other games and people say like, oh, they're just so much harder, you know? And I've heard people uh, like this guy, Sejim, who I watch a lot um, just because I think he has cool um, thoughts on fighting game like philosophy that are pretty inspiring but something he'll say is like are they are they actually harder you know because i think if you're someone that doesn't play shooters a shooter is fucking hard because think about all the things you do playing a shooter i don't know how many shooters you play but i historically played a lot more shooters think about everything you do playing a shooter that is just instinct if you've played them a long time. You know mm-hmm. what your one, you know what your sensitivity setting should probably be. But two, there's things you do instinctually like crouch, mm-hmm. strafe. You know when to run away. Um I play <laughs> I play a lot of Halo with my buddy Russ and something we talk about a lot as separating good players from bad players is that a good player knows when to run away. Mm-hmm. Bad player just holds forward the whole time. Same, you know, you can apply that same thing to a fighting game. It's just a different type of game. Yes. And I, I, you know, the thing with a fighting game that makes it tough is it's just you and that one person. And if you lose, it's your fault. Whereas in a shooter, if you lost, it might have been your fault, but you can blame your team, right? Yeah. So, I, so there's so much that goes into it, but I think a lot of it, and this is something I had fun with, you know, more along the, the time that you and I were, I think we only played that one time and then I got really addicted to World of Warcraft. So I'm sorry about that because I, I kind of, <laughs> I kind of dropped off the face of the earth. But, um, is actually you know just understanding that it's a process and you have you have to lose a lot but you also have to watch your footage and learn and the other big thing and i feel like i'm on a tangent here but the the last big thing is that um it's it's discouraging because you watch pros play or you watch people that have played for years and they they can do so much and what you have to understand is that you should not be trying to do so much Yes. All you need is one combo, you know, all you need is a simple combo and your fundamentals that you continue to develop and you go from there. That was me with but, third strike. Yeah. I think it's what you were saying. You wanted to play it like third strike, but then you played what you played uh Ryu. Yeah. Right? I just played it like, like street fighter two or something like no frills. Yeah. And that is something that's hard to do when you're starting out. I mean, it's not like, um, uh, it's not, I mean, I think that takes time to develop that know with all, like you said, like it's just like uh, not knowing that that's even an option. Yeah. Like, and especially in Halo, you don't like, know that it's an option to run away, maybe if you're starting out. Yeah. 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 Or, or 
you want to throw a grenade, you know, because you can throw a grenade. A lot of people throw grenades. It's like, let's every fight I'm in, I'm going to throw a grenade. What you're not going to understand is that you should not do that a lot of time because that person will, you, it take just like in a fighting game where it takes several frames to do a move. It takes several frames to throw a grenade and those frames that you're wasting throwing a grenade, that person can be shooting you or you can be waiting until they poke their head out again and then you can shoot them right away as opposed to having to wait however many frames it takes to throw you a grenade. You know, it's stuff like that, but you just have to keep, you have to play a lot to understand that or you have to have somebody tell you, which for me, that's why I like watching people talk about fighting games or like games in general because you'll learn you you will learn these things that you didn't think were a thing you know like if i just watch pros play fighting games i'm going to be trying to do what they do right i need i need to hear i need to hear somebody tell me no you don't need to do that just learn your combo learn one combo yeah that's it learn one combo for then you can learn another combo for anti-air eventually I, i don't know like i i think I, with everything I do, with guitar, with games, I really want to be able to do everything now. I'm impatient. Yeah. You know? That's tough. But um, learning anything is about learning what you can do and learning what the next thing you should be working on is and then just trying to keep doing that, you know? Absolutely. And also, I will say, if anybody's listening that's interested in learning music or learning competitive video games, you a lot of it is also like who you're around. Like if you're playing these games totally isolated, like you're never gonna, you're probably gonna lose interest, which is my, the case with me for like, I was trying to learn Tekken and I've been trying to learn Tekken forever, but I just don't have any friends that play it. And so I think, um, it's totally like normal to lose interest when you don't, when you're not bouncing off of someone else that's also improving with you. Um, yeah. So I wouldn't feel bad if you're trying to learn something like this on your own and lose interest. Well, and a lot of people say, you know, get a sparring partner. Get it, it sounds so funny because it's like, what is this real fighting? Like, <laughs> no, you treat it like that, you know, because yeah. you need a spar- You need someone that's similar to your level, or even if they're above your level, if you can just fight with them consistently and learn like who they are as a player, and then that will help you. Okay, you're on each other's level, and then you can try to progress together. That's it's it's a big deal, and the real shame about where we like the whole like virus thing for me and playing fighting games is that I was just starting to go to a couple like local um, like meetups where I was mm-hmm. going to meet people and like I I need to play in real life, you yeah. know, and like especially with the game like Undernight, which you and I uh, have played once. That I, I love the game. The net code is so god awful. Yeah, you know? that is the truly the unfortunate part about fighting games and why, you know, as we both know, yeah. they're suffering at the moment uh, yeah. with the tournament scene and all that. Is, uh, they just are not the same online. Yeah, I mean, some of them have it figured out, you know, but um, <laughs> most of them do not, especially anime games. That's a very anime game trope is the netcode is awful. Like Grand Blue came out. That's an awesome game, but the netcode you know so i would i would love to be able to go out and and do it and i did like i think i got a couple sessions in and it was great and then you know good way to meet people too yeah make some friends yeah Yeah. plus you can i don't know there's something about like playing online and not being able to talk to people that intimidates me because like like it's awesome to have the you need to have like sessions where you play someone like a lot like 50 times in a row or whatever Mm -hmm. you that's that's valuable and 
it, it's like sometimes that's awkward online because you don't really know unless you party up with someone you don't know what they're thinking and it's like um you're probably gonna be able to find people like that but i'm just awkward and i i, I don't know it's easier when you're like in person and you can communicate with someone and then if they do something crazy and you don't know what it is you can be like yo what the hell was that and they're like oh that was that was my dp you know or whatever that oh you've got to look you like that was actually not safe and you should not have let me do that here's yeah. how you can do that totally. differently you know i get so anxious and stressed out playing against strangers like in ranked matches you know i just can't it doesn't feel good yeah no way. i know it. yeah it, so that's what's holding me back too is i don't really know i don't have like fighting game friends here um but you know and we should definitely play more too i just got yeah. on my own shit and like we could even play like the undernight shit i love that game it's hard to play online because of the so like i know we talked about playing street fighter and shit like that so that could be cool street fighter is tough for me because like like i said i think third strike looks cool but like i just hate so many of the characters they just aren't cool to me and i think yeah. that just comes down it's just a taste thing like the, yeah. the artistic style but i mean that's um, a big thing it's a big factor i feel it hardcore for a lot of games and i think uh street fighter 5 is grotesque looking and yeah i think i don't know if i would I th- I don't know if I would like Street Fighter Four if I tried tried it now without playing that's it where at I'm the beginning. At. Um, I I mean that's one of my favorite games of all time at this point. But the art style, yeah. you know, is not super stylish. Yeah, and I'm 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 pretty petty in that regard. Like one of the like the reason I started playing Undernight is because I went to Combo Breaker and saw it on the big screen and was like, what the fuck is this game? It looks awesome. And that's all I need. Like, I just need a cool looking game. And from there I will dedicate the time because I think it looks cool. Um, totally. I don't want to like, that's the thing about Tekken. Like I don't, I don't like the art style. So like, and I know it's a great game. It's also very fucking hard, Yeah. but like it, I don't know. Like that's just personal taste, you know? Yeah think i'm kind of an anime guy hilariously enough and i never grew up playing anime fighters but were you I think interested in anime tv shows or anything i mean i was like i used to watch like Yu-Gi-Oh, but i was never an anime like nerd not because i didn't want to be but i i don't know i just like didn't even i didn't get into it i don't know why that's but, really but interesting I, yeah because i i love the the games um the They're, art style they can be really complex yeah. those games i mean not quite the level of tekken but certainly more complex than street fighter yeah i mean especially something like undernight which has just like so many mechanics that you have to understand what do you um what do you play in world of warcraft <laughs> uh like what do we like class or yeah something? yeah uh i mean warlock is my og i took like a i i hadn't played since like eighth grade so like this is very much like a new thing but yeah, yeah. i just got back into it because quarantine and i was feeling nostalgic and whatever do you but have friends that play it i have a couple um but honestly i've been pretty much just playing solo you know joined a guild that like is doing a lot of end game content and getting ready for because there's a new expansion coming out next month which mm. is exciting so i kind of joined again right when this expansion is coming to an end and then they're doing it so it's a good time to join because it's about to get a whole new thing you know so yeah, yeah I, I mean was, i was obsessed with world of warcraft in early high school i, I, I spent a whole summer just playing that until like 5 a.m but i never yeah. got to the end game though i mean 
Me neither. Yeah. But that's that was about the same time I was into it, like end of Burning Crusade, uh, start of Wrath of the Lich King type vibe. So yeah. And there's been like five expansions since. It's crazy, but I don't know. It's it's fun. It's especially right now. I don't feel guilty about playing it because like there's nothing else to do. You know. Hell yeah. So. Um. Well, thanks again. Uh, I think this was a very enjoyable conversation. I think people like yeah. listening to it. Yeah, I hope so. I think uh, you know, play fighting games, play video games. It's <laughs> for me. It's always just been a very like social thing with my friends, and like I don't know. Do what you like doing and what feels rewarding. Absolutely. <laughs>